Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I like doing it. You know, I love running routes. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. They seem like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clipped that. Looking forward to facing your mom at some point. Last night at the bar we were at, I had some really bad cases. I've never had no bad cases, really. Good morning. Let's go. It's Thursday, August 11th. I am so excited because joining me today for the first time in a couple weeks, it feels like forever. It's Dalton Daldon, baby. Dalton, we've mentioned you like a hundred times, I think, on the last few episodes, and it's very good to have you back in the saddle uh, because this is a this is a beefy, a beefy show, and I'm excited to have you here for it. What's up, Harmon? I've been enjoying listening to the podcast episodes you've been hosting so well, not just because of all the the talk about myself, but yeah, I've been enjoying it, and I'm excited to jump back in the fold. You know, I was on vacation for one week, and then I, I went to Las Vegas, had some nice meals, played some bets. Westgate limited my uh, Saquon Barkley to win the rushing title bet, <laughs> made some Trey Lance futures uh, MVP, signed up for the big $6 million survivor pool again. And then oh, unfortunately, it's, it's, not, it's not true. They say what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas because I did bring a case of the COVID back to my family. So therefore, I was out of commission last week, suffering greatly, but back, good to go. Talk some bets, talk some football, talk some receivers. Uh, yeah, let's, let's do it, Matt. Hey, buddy, I'm just glad you're feeling better. Hope the family's feeling better. We missed you, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, if they're, if you're going to catch COVID, Vegas seems like a, a pretty likely place to catch it. So that, yeah, makes it, that it, does yeah. add In hindsight, up. it was inevitable, no question. But the wife is not super happy. You know, I went there, made a bunch of bets, and then bring back a, you know, a, a, a disease. <laughs> but it is what it is. We're over uh, it. It was a couple rough nights, but uh, we, 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 we powered through. That's a good point. Like, hey, uh, sorry, I just bet a bunch of money. And also, by the way, you're all sick now because of me. Yeah, Thanks yeah, for welcoming yeah. me back. Uh, anyways, <laughs> let's move on to the show. The rumors are true. We are, again, going to be talking about wide receivers today. This is going to be a fun combination, though, because Dalton just put a great piece out on the site that I encourage everybody to go read about the receivers he's higher on than consensus. I retweeted it as well if you can easily find it there. My goal, one of the goals for the podcast this year is to get Dalton to tweet more because he's, like I said, he's got some spicy ass takes and I want more of those on the Twitter feed, but we'll work on that. But we're going to talk about that piece. They were also going to talk about 
Um, some of the lessons that I learned from my past catcher projections this year, we did the same sort of episode with Josh about the quarterback position last week. We're going to blend those two together because there's actually a decent bit of crossover. We're also going to be talking about the New Orleans Saints. But first, I said this with Andy last week when we talked about Josh Jacobs. Or was it wasn't last week. That was this week. My God. Said that with Andy when we talked about Josh Jacobs that I want to foster like good, healthy disagreement on the show so that listeners can hear one argument and another argument, and decide which side of the aisle they fall on. We're going to do the same thing here because Andy and I talked about Keenan Allen, and Andy made a case for Keenan Allen as a top 10 receiver on his most recent episode. Pretty good case because a lot of it cycles around Keenan Allen's really good, really consistent, and Justin Herbert, really good at football. I find myself to be somewhere in the middle, actually closer to Dalton Sancho, which we talked about on the podcast, which is that he's got Keenan Allen at wide receiver 19, lowest among the Yahoo rankers. He's the only one of us that's got the stones to have Mike Williams higher. It's the sort of hedge bet at the hedge rank at wide receiver 18 there. But nevertheless, Dalton, floor is yours to defend your Keenan Allen ranking here. First of all, I appreciate the Twitter love. I do need to tweet more, no question about it, because I am putting out some some takes that are certainly my ranks are against consensus. All right, Keenan Allen. Yeah, let's talk. Uh, let's talk to Mr. Andy Barons here and tell him how wrong he is. Well, obviously, <laughs> Keenan Allen has a safe floor, a superstar throwing him the ball. There's no argument there. First of all, does Andy realize we're ranking 0.5 PPR here? I mean, PPR is a big <laughs> difference here for, for Keenan Allen. Uh, he saw he had six touchdowns on 157 targets. Last year, I mean, Gabe Davis is going to score that many touchdowns getting off the bus this season. Oh, boy. Uh, Keenan Allen is a 30-year-old who's seen his yards per route run drop every single season since 2017. And here's where it gets especially tricky for me. He saw his target per route run drop from 27% to 20% when Josh Palmer took over that wide receiver three role over Jalen Guyton last year. And guess what the Chargers plans for this season? That's Palmer to be that number three guy. So when you see your target rate drop from 27% to 20% when you get the younger guys out there, obviously Mike Williams, what if he stays fully healthy a full year too? So to me, I mean, whatever, he's in the 19th. I still have him the top 20 fantasy receiver, but in half PPR, the 30-year-old who's seen a decline in yards per out run for five straight seasons – uh, and now uh, more competition there with Josh Palmer. It just I'm more on the more on the downside. I want more of these upside guys: Allen Robinson, Gabe Davis, Rashad Bateman. Give me these young guys with more upside. Uh, eight days a week. I totally hear you on that. I I love that your rankings do reflect like big swings. And honestly, in the in this portion of the draft, it's still important to take big swings. We think about it later on in the draft, stuff like that. You want to take those upside bets, but it is important here. I think the. The key thing with Keenan Allen is you do have to ask yourself if he is a declining player. You mentioned the yards per route run. I'll also add that in 2020, he had a 77.3% success rate versus man coverage. In 2021, in reception perception, it was 74.2. That is a small decline. I don't know if it's incredibly meaningful. Um, same thing against press coverage as well. 78.6% in 2020, 73.5%. In 2021, uh, the zone coverage rate is also going down. I guess he could be on the back nine of his career. Now, I think he has sort of old man game, which would should age gracefully. But to your point, what's the where's the ceiling in that? I think you get a really reliable floor with Keenan Allen. And honestly, if you could draft him at what you're never going to draft him at wide receiver 19. But that's that would be great if you could get that sort of player and stack some upside guys around him. So I think to me, Keenan Allen. Like I said, I sort of fall down in the middle between your argument and Andy's argument because I have him, I think, at wide receiver 15. And to me, it's just 
if I'm going to draft Keenan Allen, I do also want to take a big swing at my next receiver pick. Um, obviously, you're taking a pretty big swing if you're taking someone before Keenan Allen. But that, that's sort of maybe the the where I come down in the middle there is I'm fine drafting him, but I would rather have like a, a an upside guy to to pair later on that might actually outscore Keenan Allen this year. Yeah, it's a fair point as far as athleticism waning in the 30s is going to matter less for him working out of the slot there. I mean, that's that's totally fair. But um, I just prefer my 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 receivers to catch touchdowns when they're drafting them that high. And to me, that uh, Allen just kind of lacks the upside there, the way he's utilized in, in the red zone. But, dude, you're not going to lose your fantasy draft taking him. And it's certainly safer than a guy like Bateman who's never done it and Gabe Davis who's never caught more than 35 catches. I get it. Um, but I, I draft for for ceiling and and, and not – and, I just swing for the fences as we've uh, we've established here and, and Keenan Allen, especially in half PPR. I think Andy's a little off base there, too, because he just gets a much bigger boost in the full PPR formats. Well, there you go. Listeners, you can decide if you like Dalton's argument or Andy's argument better and then apply it to your own team. That's what we're doing here, man. That's why we have a game. Uh, that's the whole point of this podcast. And I'd love to let me know on Twitter. Maybe let Dalton know too. get him engaged there. Let him know uh, which one, which one of the arguments you liked better there. Um, all right, but let's move on to some of these bigger swings you want to take here. We're going to talk through a few of your undervalued receivers before we start blending in my projection arguments, which I, which honestly, like I said, a lot of it comes together. First of all, You've got Michael Pittman ranked as wide receiver eight. His consensus ranking is wide receiver 12. My my ranking is also wide receiver 12. So maybe I'm, and I'm a big Pittman guy. You know, I'm not going to say you, by the way, you took Michael Pittman right before me in the draft that we're in together. So um, you're, you're, you're on, I, you're on everybody. You're on Edwin uh, taking Saquon <laughs> before him. You're even taking Michael Pittman before me. What a mess. Uh, Dalton is just uh, demolishing this draft that we're in together. Uh, maybe we'll talk about that uh, perhaps next week on the show, but these are some notable wide receivers you've got behind Michael Pittman. T Higgins, who I took right after you took Michael Pittman, Tyreek Hill and our guy Debo. We're going to save Debo because we'll talk about him more in depth later, but Listen, you're not going to get a lot of pushback on me on Michael Pittman, but this is a really bullish ranking for him at wide receiver eight. Yeah, and Graham Barfield swooped Trey Lance for me in the uh, super flex trap we're talking about. It's a fun league. Okay, so yes, I don't need to explain to you, Mr. Reception Perception. You 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 sign off on this, right? That uh, Pittman oh, was very impressive last year as a sophomore. Um, I believe other uh, Dwayne McFarland's info say he was says he was top three in creating separation in man coverage. Top three last year as a sophomore. He was also third in route participation. In, in all of football last year, plays indoors. He's now year three. I mean, most receivers make a, a leap between, you know, year two or three, but he also gets a huge quarterback upgrade. I mean, that's what it is. Carson Wentz ranked bottom three in on-target throw percentage from a clean pocket last year. Bottom three. Matt Ryan was top <laughs> 10. Matt Ryan was top 10. And Matt Ryan was top three under pressure. So he's going from a Maybe one of the league's most inaccurate quarterbacks to one of the more accurate. I mean, Ryan lacks fantasy upside at this stage of his career, obviously. But for Pittman's purposes, he'll get the job done. And then some. It's kind of exactly what you want. A running back, I mean, a quarterback who doesn't run. And he's going to target, you know, should be a narrow target tree in, in Indy, too. I love Paris Campbell. But, you know, can he stay healthy? So I love Pittman as a top 10 guy, clearly. And he'll be drafted as such. Maybe even a top five guy next year. Entering his prime. Love the QB upgrade. What's not to like? I don't see a negative in Michael Pittman's column. And I think we've talked about him a lot on the show. I'll continue to talk about him. But the reality here that I think we need to hammer home is this is not just an opportunity-based pick. He is an absolute 
ascending star receiver. I've called him a blend of Keenan Allen and Allen Robinson in reception perception. And that's going to be the big thing here. Uh, he is good enough to be wide receiver eight from a talent basis. And the opportunity is so good. So we really can't talk enough about Michael Pittman. I'm sure people will be sick of hearing about him by the end of August, but we just do need to hammer the point home that he is good at the game enough to justify this ranking that Dalton has here. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I get you. And Higgins is coming off shoulder surgery still. I mean, Tyreek Hill changing quarterback, complete system. Waddle. I mean, all those guys have question marks too. But um, so, yeah, I, I just think that uh, Pittman's going to be a guy clearly being drafted a whole round uh, higher next year compared to this year, if not if not higher. He's moved up, though, throughout summer, man. You were able to get him in the mid rounds. But now the competitive leagues, Pittman's going in the back end of the second round these yeah. days. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I have not been able to draft him yet, uh, even as much as I like him, because uh, a lot of analysts like him uh, as well. All right, let's talk about another guy we just mentioned, another guy you definitely will not get any pushback. Uh, both of these guys are players that I really like. Michael Pittman we just talked about, and now Allen Robinson. Dalton's got him at wide receiver 14. I'm ahead of consensus as well at wide receiver 18, but man, I... I'm with you, buddy. I, I want to bump him into that top 15. Consensus wide receiver ranked uh, wide receiver 23. Allen Robinson. That's a joke. Way too low. Notable names that Dalton has behind Allen Robinson. Terry McLaurin, Cortland Sutton, Jalen Waddle, and both Chargers receivers. Um, I'm ahead of uh, I'm ahead of Sutton. The other three guys I have uh, and, and Jalen Waddle. The Chargers players and Terry I do have ranked ahead of Allen Robinson. But tell me the extremely bullish case about Allen Robinson as a top 15 wide receiver this year. All right. Well, first of all, I'm not overly concerned about the, the Stafford elbow injury. You have Someone has to explain to me why the media is treating it so differently. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he dealt with the same exact issue yep. last summer and it was fine. And now he's dealing with it again. And McVay's like, yeah, it's a little weird. And it's tricky, but we just on it, whatever. And suddenly the media is treating it like it's 10 times more serious. Can I, can I give you can I give you my theory on that? Yes, please do. One, one, I think it's because it's the Rams and they're just they're coming off the Super Bowl. It's easy to talk they did about just win the Super Bowl. That's fair. Yeah. And two. Sean McVay is a little bit dramatic, like the way that he's described it as like, it's a tricky situation. I breathed a sigh of relief when he threw on Saturday. I think like that's sort of feeding into it. But I did take comfort in it just like like you did, that this is something he dealt with last year and that apparently Stafford is more annoyed at the management plan than the pain part of it. So I agree with you. It's a little bit of an overblown story right now, but I think the reason is partly because Sean McVay is, is a dramatic speaker. Um, there's a reason he wants to get into media at some point. The vast majority of targets for Allen Robinson during his career have come from Blake Bortles and Mitch Trubisky, uh, like 80 percent. And then the rest are maybe even worse quarterbacks. So yeah. uh, the, the upgrade there is immeasurable. I mean, one of the biggest in NFL history. He's coming from a Chicago climate where they've never produced a 4000 yard passer. And then Jacksonville before that, when he scored you know 15 touchdowns as a teenager, basically. Um, now he's indoors with Sean McVay, Matthew Stafford. The Rams do not throw to their running backs, by the way, with, with Stafford. I, what if Cooper Cup gets hurt? I mean, now we're talking yeah. Yahtzee, top three fantasy receivers. So um, to me, I mean, we saw what Robert Woods is putting up nice numbers as the number two in this system. And there's, uh, I mean, Van Jefferson's dealing with an injury. Tutu Atwell was just a bad draft pick. He's too small to play in the NFL, beat press coverage. So I think A-Rob, to me, looks like a, a slam dunk, top 15 fantasy wideout who you won't have to draft nearly that high. Yeah, he has an amazing floor. Robert Woods was pacing for 130 targets before he got hurt last year. Um, and I think that's more important than I've seen other folks like, well, Odo Beckham only did this. Well, Robbins is getting onboarded from the jump. Beckham got onboarded in the middle of the season. So that's important. I think it's more projectable for the Robert Woods thing. And for, straight up, 
Allen Robinson is a better player at his peak than Robert Woods is at his peak. And Robert Woods is a very good player. So I think that's notable. Um, also, to your point as well, there is that injury upside scenario, which I do think we would have to imagine. I mean, nobody wants Cooper Cup to get hurt, like knock on wood, whatever. But if he ever did, there's talk in L.A. You know, Robert Mays has talked about this. Jordan Rodriguez talked about this, that. You know, they want to use Allen Robinson not just exclusively as the X receiver. They want to have him in that role for sure because it's important in the offense, but they want to move him around. They want to get him slot targets, sort of like Robert Woods was as a movable chess piece for that offense. I think that's a great fit for A Rob as a player. And if Cooper Cup was ever to go down, he'd probably just get thrown right into that slot receiver role because he could handle it. He has three more 150 target seasons on his resume than Cup does. I mean, this guy commands targets, man. We'll see him indoors with, with Stafford. I don't know. Wheels up for me, A-Rob. And again, okay. I know I'm not, I'm preaching to the choir here, but yeah. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. so enough of that. Enough of the uh, Dalton and I just patting each other on the back about yes, Michael Pittman, right. Allen Robinson. Let's disagree a little bit here about Gabe yes. Davis. Buddy, you are so high. I'm saying, I'm saying the F word on the podcast. You are so high on Gabe Davis. It's unbelievable. Um, wide receiver 15. His consensus ranking is wide receiver 29. I've got him at wide receiver 30. Notable guys that Dalton's got behind him. Everybody. He's got everybody <laughs> behind Gabe Davis. Um, I'll, I'll give my thoughts in a little bit. Um, I almost put him in this projections article that we're going to talk about in a minute, but ended up just running out of time and space. So we can hash this out on the pod. I think it'll actually be even better. But give me the aggressive case on Gabe Davis here at wide receiver 15. First of all, it killed me to take Jalen Waddell over him in this right before you in a league we're in together, but it's full PPR and Waddle usually goes so much higher. But oh, I almost took yeah. Dave Davis in that aforementioned league to prove a point. Hopefully he falls back because maybe you cowards will not take him. Uh he's pol- <laughs> the the most polarizing fantasy player this offseason. I'm I'm you know, me and my lack of Twitter involvement, I can even that I can see that it's definitely a, a, some nice, some nice arguments involving Gabe Davis, who has not surpassed 35 catches in his career yet. The one game was a huge out, like obviously the four TD game in the playoffs really did skew his overall numbers if you look at it that way but my argument is this is a still developing receiver he's one of the youngest receivers in football and he commanded a night his college target share was the 94th percentile and here we'll get to the nerd stats so after Buffalo's week six bye last year this is not a small sample after their week six bye Davis was targeted on 24 percent of his routes that number jumped to 27% on first downs, which is the same as Stephon Diggs. And now Emmanuel Sanders is gone. So let me repeat. After the bye last year, Josh Allen targeted Gabe Davis on the all-important first downs 27% of the time, the same as Stephon Diggs. I mean, Diggs had never played a full season, by the way, in the NFL in five years of his career before joining Buffalo. Josh Allen attempted 65 passes in the end zone last year. 65. No other quarterback attempted more than 50. I mean, that's why Gabe Davis as a part-time player was top 10 in end zone targets. Going to be an absolute monster. Like I said, he's going to score a touchdown before he gets off the bus this season in this offense. What if Diggs went down? Again, one of the youngest (laughs) players. One of the youngest players in the NFL, still developing. There's, uh, I think there's a, a you know a, a level for him to get better as a route runner, and I just love his situation. So, so yeah, tell me, tell me why I'm so overly optimistic and crazy here. <laughs> well, here's the deal. I'm. I find myself to be kind of like a centrist in this very polarizing Gabe Davis debate because I'm not going to rank him at wide receiver 15. I think that's way too aggressive. I'm not going to take him in like his really high ADP and it's on certain platforms. But if you're drafting on Yahoo or, you know, whatever, and he's 
going around like that wide receiver 29, wide receiver 30 range. I'm totally fine with that. By the way, I've drafted Gabe Davis a couple times in like the Scott Fishbowl when he's, you know, fallen a little bit. So again, fine. I'm not like a all out Gabe Davis. There are some folks out there, you know, and frankly, some of them use like my work to say that he absolutely stinks. And I, I mean, I don't think he absolutely stinks. He's certainly a, a raw route runner. He's never, I don't think ever going to be a great separator. That's just not the strength of his game. But if he's a Devontae Parker type of talent, and I think we can agree. I mean, you're 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 giving me the eye there, Dalton. But you know, Parker was a first round pick, and I I think that Parker, at his best, was like an average starting receiver. I'm guessing that Gabe Davis, at his best, levels off at his as an average starting receiver. Like I think if if both guys are healthy, there's a zero percent chance that the gap between Diggs and and Davis is that close from a from a talent perspective. At least this year, we'll see as Diggs gets older. But you know. Diggs is like my favorite player in the NFL, so you know we'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, shout out to Stefan Diggs, also in our intro as well. Uh, loves to run routes, as he says. So Gabe Davis, the thing about it is we already have seen him get the promotion that I think people are baking into his role from weeks 14 to when the Buffalo Bills got eliminated in the playoffs. He played over 80% of the snaps in all but one of those games, and these were his game logs in, in that series. 543 in a touchdown, 585 two touchdowns, 340 touchdowns, three catches on 14 targets for 39 yards to end the regular season against the Jets. He was terrible in that game. And then, of course, in the playoffs, two catches, 41 yards, one touchdown. And then we know, of course, he blew up eight catches, 200 yards, four touchdowns. So honestly, I think that's what the journey for Gabe Davis is going to look like. I think it's going to be pretty rocky. I definitely think that games like three catches for 40 yards and three catches for 39 yards are within his range of outcomes. Dalton, I don't think you can like cleanly project him for 120 targets. I think he could level off at like 100, 110. And the efficiency is certainly going to be there. But I think guys like Dawson Knox, guys like James Cook, a running back that they drafted clearly to catch passes, and Isaiah McKenzie as the slot receiver are all going to command looks beyond Stefan Diggs, who I don't see seeding any target share to Gabe Davis. So even from a non-talent perspective, I think you can make a case against Gabe Davis. Their pass rate over expectations so high, though. I have a serious question for you. Um, would would you think more or less of Gabe Davis if he had that the, the Week 18 box score with five targets as opposed to 14? Well, I mean, I watched that game and he was just ter- he was really, really bad in the game. That's the that's the thing that okay. that, that that like that ha- that hammers it home to me. And I, I think like maybe he takes another step. Like I said, I'm I'm open to the idea he takes another step as a player because I think when you look at his route running from year one to year two, he had he has already taken a next step. So maybe he can continue to develop. I'm not ruling that out. But yeah, to me, like I'm just saying, I wouldn't count that against him is all I'm saying. 14 targets no, to me totally. is like a plus. I hear you though, he, he sucked with them, but I mean he turned around two <laughs> weeks later and in the best game of the season, you know, he dominated. I love Diggs, to be clear. I have him ranked ahead of Chase. So I just nice. I just love this environment, man. I mean, the Bills are just gonna throw yeah. like crazy and at the goal line, as I keep saying at the end zone. Again, he attempted 15 more than the next highest passes in the end zone last year. I think that's that's going to continue. So uh, I don't love hearing you say that you, you really question his uh, ability, but my, my counter is just he's young and can get better. But um, yeah, it's nice. I'm glad we don't agree on all these for sure. It's, it's way better this way. Yeah, again, I, I want to be a centrist on the Gabe Davis argument. I don't want to be full on. Like, I, I think it's the best way I've heard it explained. And I think Alan Robinson's in a similar situation with the Rams. Like Evan Silva, when we were on the pot, I was on the Established Run podcast. He said, Gabe Davis, it's going to be tough for him to fail in this situation. Like, and I don't, I think, 
I don't think Gabe Davis will fail. I think he could be slightly below expectation. I think he could be like, again, I think the wide receiver 15 ranking is aggressive. But he's certainly going to give you monster weeks. Um, and, and like I said, I've personally drafted him a couple of times. So a centrist debate there. I think Dalton's way too high on him, but that's uh, that's just where we, we come down there. Fair enough. He's risky for sure. Definitely, uh, definitely risky. No, I mean, Manuel Sanders wasn't putting up monster numbers in that role. And maybe McKenzie just eats out of the slot like crazy. But uh, man, I love that touchdown upside. And I think he can be a very average receiver and in that role still be a top 30 guy. But I think it's, and there's upside for, yeah. for a whole lot more. Yeah, that's the thing. Like average Devontae Parker, if he was starting in the Bills offense closer to like the peak of, of his abilities when Ryan Fitzpatrick, another intro guy, by the way, if Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, you know, had that one season with him, we'd be we'd be pretty excited about Devontae Parker. And we'd probably be drafting him as a top 30 receiver. So uh, I know you hate this Parker comparison. but No, it fits because I always overdrafted Parker. So it's, it's, fitting. it's fun. <laughs> I just hope it turns out a little bit better this time. Well, there we go. All right, let's start to blend our two articles together here um, with my like my pass catcher lessons from my projections and some of your undervalued guys. One of the lessons from my pass catcher projection article, and I want to keep hammering this home, CeeDee Lamb can absolutely lead the NFL in targets this year, Dalton. Um, this And a part of it is definitely the state of the depth chart, right? But the other point of this here is this is the type of environment, the Dallas offense. Like, I think people still view it sort of as a run-first team, like, because they're so invested in Zeke Elliott. But this has been the type of environment where you can find incredibly valuable fantasy receivers. Dallas ranked second and seventh the last two years in plays per game, second and sixth in pass attempts. And CeeDee Lamb can, I think, what, like, bare minimum? I've got him projected for a 26% target share. But bare minimum, he's going to walk into 24. And I think there's upside for him to get up to like 28, 30% of this team's targets because of the guys behind him. So CeeDee Lamb can lead the NFL in targets. I think he's still a good value bet across platforms on, um, you know, to lead the NFL in receiving yards and catches, stuff like that. I would still make that bet out there as a slight, slight dark horse, but a little more uh, favored to do it now than he was earlier. CeeDee Lamb, I think, Dalton, he's not being drafted as, at his ceiling because I think his ceiling is wide receiver one overall because, by the way, he's also really, really good at football. Yeah, I'm tempted to move him above Jamar Chase as well, just given their their competition for targets. Dallas led the NFL in points per game last year, led the NFL in scoring, and now we're missing Amari Cooper, Cedric Wilson, Blake Jarwin, Michael Gallup, and James Washington. So, I mean, yeah, it's a pretty awesome setup for CeeDee Lamb. And oh, also, by the way, Dak Prescott no longer runs and, and Zeke is Zeke, you know, this stage of his career. So, I mean, why, why was Lamb not looking at 150 plus targets? And he's certainly capable of, of smashing with them. So, yeah, I fully agree with you here. And I could see I really could see an argument for Lamb right there after Jefferson and Cup as if wide receiver three this year. Yeah, I totally see it. I'm I'm going back and forth every single day. I've got CeeDee Lamb at wide receiver six. And I want to. I've got Mike Evans at wide receiver five, and I'm so high on Mike Evans this year. But I'm tempted to move Ceedee Lamb to wide receiver five. So um, I, I don't think you can buy him at a ceiling this year because his ceiling is to be the best receiver in uh, fantasy football. But let's talk about Jalen Tolbert, who was in your undervalued wide receiver argument because Tolbert, I think, is the only other guy. There's some hype on Lord Podcast. What's what's the guy you you slacked me about today from uh, from from? Lord Podcast, by the way, is our producer, John Gennaro. Lord Podcast. What a what who's the guy we were talking about in Slack today on the Cowboys mini camp or training camp hype? You're gonna make me try and say his name. I don't remember. Yeah, because his I name. because I don't want because I don't want to say uh it. see me 
Fahoko. I'm going to go with Simi Fahoko. All right, cool. Well, there's a lot of hype on this guy <laughs> coming out of the Cowboys training camp. So that's to tell you the state of the Cowboys uh, wide receiver depth chart. Jalen Tolbert, I think, is the only other guy who's got a chance to be sneaky good. His consensus ranking right now, Dalton, is wide receiver 86. That's bananas. People need to get in there and update their rankings. You've got him at wide receiver 51. I've got him at wide receiver 59. Really good late round pick is Jalen Tolbert. So funny thing we happened with Tolbert was as far as uh, my drafting, I was grabbing James Washington at the end of last round of every draft I was in because it felt like to me people were misreading the headlines of Tolbert is going to start week one. If you actually read the article, it meant he's going to start in three receiver sets next to Washington yeah. and, 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 and CD. But people were drafting the rookie way ahead of Washington. But, but now Washington's out for the season. So the joke's on me. And, and Tolbert looks even more like a green light here because the uh, the depth chart at wide receiver behind him. I mean, Gallup's already said himself he's not going to be ready week one. So, I mean, it's Noah Brown suddenly is oh, number yeah. three on the depth chart in Dallas. So uh, there's only been four instances in college where a player's accounted for more than 50% of his team's air yards when on the field. One's T. Higgins and two of them are Jalen Tolbert. So this guy commanded a ton of air yards in college. And now suddenly, again, the leading offense from last year with all the targets gone except for Lamb uh, playing indoors, Dak Prescott. I mean, it's a pretty awesome situation. And I have zero opinion you know, on Tolbert, the, the player. But this is quite an opportunity right away for the rookie. I like him as a player, too. He was one of the more underrated prospects in the in the draft to me. And I think you can make an argument that among all the rookies, certainly, you know, in the post round one guys that he's walking into the best projectable opportunity combination with quarterback play here is Jalen Tolbert. So we both like him as a late round pick. Um, I'm in agreement with Dalton there. I want to pick your brain about this one. You didn't have any of these guys in your undervalued receiver argument, but they were in my um, pass catcher projection lessons piece. Man, making the math work for the Eagles is is tough, right? Um, and it's a shame because I love all of these guys in this offense. But look, the Eagles were dead last in pass attempts last year. Now, if you take some of Nick Sirianni's uh, offenses from the from the 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 Colts days, blend them a little bit with Shane Steichen, their offensive coordinator, you know, you can get these guys to like. 21st in pass attempts but even that's an that's an aggressive jump that I'm not sure they hit that I think AJ Brown is gonna have a dominant target share I wouldn't project him as anything less than 23 percent we're kind of on the same page with AJ Brown wide receiver 12 you've got him I've got him wide receiver 13 where are you at with Brown this year as um you know kind of in this Michael Pittman T Higgins tier that we talked about earlier yeah Love the real-life player more than the fantasy player. I have zero of him so far. Maybe it had to do with Jalen Hurts being playing through an injury, but they became extreme, one of the most extreme run-heavy teams of the second half last year. There's there's competition for targets. Goddard, Brown, and Devonta Smith there. So um, I, I just don't don't love this setup. And Brown is good to miss a few games each year, too. But then you le- read the highlights, and he's just uh, – Hurts is uh, – read the updates, I should say, in, in training camp. Hurts is just locked on to him, and it looks like they're – they're making nice uh, rapport and they're, I think, having their good buddies off the field and whatnot. So, I mean, if he stayed healthy, it wouldn't be crazy if A.J. Brown had a top five type fantasy season. But I feel like given their environments and the fact he's usually nicked up, uh, to me, I'm probably not going to end up with a lot of um, – a lot of, funny thing, I'm not going to end up with much A.J. Brown or Devonta Smith, but I'm ending up with a whole lot of Jalen Hurts. Yeah, um, I saw uh, Eagles writer Jimmy Kemsky tweet uh, this week. And honestly, like you said, it's been the theme of Eagles camp that if the training camp 
like workload spills over, AJ Brown's going to have, I believe Kemsky said 11 billion targets this year. Yeah. So he's like only been thrown AJ Brown, which leads to the point that we've both kind of got Devonta Smith buried. Um, you're lower than me, 43. I'm 39. I don't mind drafting him, but it's got to be below ADP. And he's, he's been sort of a, would you call to take Scott's term? Would you call him more of a yellow light or a red light player? Yeah, more yellow light. I acknowledge he's very good player. So I don't love this situation. He's the same tier there if I have him five or six spots lower, but more more yellow light. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you on that one. And I, I the Eagles are just tough, man. I agree with you. I feel like it's just draft the draft the base there, draft Jalen Hurts, and maybe worry about the rest later. Is that does that yeah. make sense to you? It does because even Gainwell gets all the high value touches in the backfield. I mean, it's it's a mess. Yeah, it would take an injury in the backfield, and uh, yeah, even as much as you like Goddard, it's just the volume's not quite there. So uh, yeah, just uh, take the QB and um, all the rest. Uh, to me, are going a little bit too high. All right, Dalton and I, it's time, baby. We're gonna talk about the 49ers and some of these undervalued players or overvalued players in the offense of our favorite team. We're gonna do that right after this break. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, Dalton, it's Niners today, man. We've we've we're we're overdue for a Niners chat, my guy. Um, <laughs> here's my take after doing projections, and I know this is sort of counter to fantasy football like mainstream thought. I think Debo needs the rushing work to hit his ADP this year. Not not the amount that he saw last year. We know he's not going to get like almost 60 carries like he did during last regular season, but he needs some rushing work. And the main point is, you and I agree on this, Brandon Ayuk is undervalued. Consensus ranking wide receiver 36. You've got him at wide receiver 29. Tell me why Brandon I mean t- tell me why Brandon Ayuk is undervalued. Sell me on the case why it's going to be really hard, but sell me on the case why you think he's undervalued. Oh, I haven't met wide receiver 21, sir. Um, I, I'm creeping him closer and closer to Debo together. I said in the, my column, I think there's like a 45% chance Ayuk has a better fantasy season. It might be closer to just a total coin flip. Um, I, I just I don't know if it is that aggressive, really. Uh, yeah. So he was in the doghouse to begin last year for a number of reasons. You can look into it. Shanahan's gone over it. Uh, doesn't matter. He's completely over that. The final 10 weeks last year, he had a 22% target share, was a top 20 fantasy receiver then, last year. Um, so I, he saw the the second most targets inside the five as a rookie. And then last year, he ranked top 20 in end zone targets. Debo Samuel saw two of those. Uh, Kittle's ignored at the goal line, too. This team likes to throw to Ayuk when they get into scoring position. And now he's worked with Trey Lance all offseason. I mean, if you think that I'm falling for the highlight after highlight after highlight after <laughs> highlight, that, that might be true. But really... <gasps> Truthfully, Lance is an entirely different quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, we're, we're going to, and it, it might as well be it's seemingly a different uh, system because Lance targets downfield and intermediate areas far more than Jimmy G. And that's where Ayuk runs all his routes and not where yeah. Debo does. 
Uh, the Niners led the NFC in yards per play last season, just upgraded their quarterback. And, and, and it seems to me Ayuk and, and, and Lance have, a, have the rapport. So as much as I love Debo, the player, what he did last year was just so, so difficult to repeat. I mean, you're drafting the guy as a borderline top five fantasy wide receiver right now. He didn't rank top 50 in routes run last year or top 25 in targets. And the team went and made their, their running group way deeper now with TYD drafted early. Sermon is only going to be better in year two. Jeff Wilson's healthy. He was dealing with this knee injury all last season. And Mitchell was dealing with a million injuries as a rookie, and he should be far more ready year two. So the running back group is deeper. I just don't like – there's even Jordan Mason making headlines. I, uh, I don't like the setup for Debo this year at all. And conversely, I absolutely love it for Ayuk. And the fact that one's going rounds and rounds later in fantasy to me is a gift. Yeah, listen, you don't have to sell me on Brandon Ayuk. I think he's a great player. Um, I think he's developing, getting even better. Like you mentioned, he's got that involvement in the scoring area because he has, like, freakishly long arms. He has a huge wingspan. Wingspan to Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson's wingspan. And you see, like, all these training camp highlights when, you know, you get the goofballs out there, like, oh, that's not that great. But, like, physically, he's the only receiver that can make that catch because of his, I mean, the the, the pythons he's got, uh, his his arms. So, you don't have to tell me on Ayuk. Everybody knows I'm a big Brandon Ayuk guy. I do want to keep pushing Brandon Ayuk up my rankings, but I, this is something I want to talk out on the podcast with you because I'm actively struggling with how to square ranking Debo still inside the top 10 receivers. And, you know, maybe George Kittle even at the top five tight ends. I've got the trio in my projections for 66% of the team targets. This is something that, like, there's no one else, right, in this offense that's going to command targets. We talked about that last year, and I think it still stands going into this year. No running backs are going to catch a bunch of passes. And, like, who's their receiver three? Danny Gray, a rookie? I don't think so. Or Juwan Jennings? Juwan Jennings, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So no one to really command targets there. So I've got that target share for Debo, but I've also got him for an at an 8% rushing share uh, of the team attempts. That's good for 39 carries, 266 yards, three touchdowns. But Dalton, if you take that rushing work away, that drops Debo in my projections from a top 10 receiver to wide receiver 19 with the target split that I have. And I, I think that target split's going to hold. Everybody knows the, the splits with Debo last year. In weeks 1 through 9, 10 targets per game. Weeks 10 through 18, 5 targets per game. I realized that he had more expected half PPR points. This comes from Jared Smola of Draft Sharks. He says, remember, we want Debo in a more traditional wide receiver role. 13.8 expected half PPR points over his first eight games as a traditional wide receiver. 11.3 expected half PPR points per game over his final eight games in a hybrid role. But Dalton, the situation that happened in the first eight weeks of the season is never, ever, ever coming back again. Where Ayuk where was in the doghouse. Kittle was also, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, banged up at part of that. So, like, basically throw that week's one through eight split for both receivers in the trash. Like that's never happening again. So if you're judging off the last few weeks, if Debo doesn't get a ton of rushing work, I think there's a real chance he's not a top 10 receiver this year. Yeah, I, I moved him down to he's my wide receiver 13. And I frankly, I think it should be even lower, but that's just so far down below consensus. Like, uh, and I've kittled my, my tight end six. So that's how I'm treating. I think Ayuk is going to get far more targets than the market is suggesting here between among these three. And yeah, I just, I, I understand why expected fantasy points were, were, were higher with the targets. The targets are worth more, but I agree with your assessment that Debo is going to need some carries to, to maintain his fantasy value how it was because this offense, the targets are not going to be there. Like I said, he wasn't even top 25 
25 in targets last year, and that was with Jimmy G. Now, I mean, so uh, it's very risky where Debo Samuel getting drafted. I mean, the guy had like the lowest A dot, yet the most yards after uh, yards per catch or something. I mean, it's like he's catching the ball at the, the line of scrimmage and taking it the distance for him. I mean, he had eight touch rushing touchdowns and 50 carries. I mean, this, this just screams regression left and right for Debo. I love the play. By the way, this guy used to always be hurt too, and he yeah. has a Jones fracture in his foot, and he just got paid heavily. I love, love Debo Samuels, one of my favorite players uh, to watch. But man, I'm telling you, Ayuk is gonna is gonna lead this team in targets this year. I would be shocked if not. I'd be shocked if Ayuk doesn't lead this wow. team in targets. Wow. Well, listen, you don't again, you don't have to sell me on Ayuk, but I do think this argument, both the arguments you've made, and you know, sort of the, the projections based argument. I do think in my rankings update, I'm gonna you're 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 causing me to to rethink a few of these receiver rankings, and I do think I'm gonna push Ayuk up and and Samuel down. I don't want to totally red light Debo as a pick this year, but because I I drafted him in the Scott Fishbowl too, but I do think I want to extremely green light Brandon Ayuk, and I I think to do that, if you're gonna justify that, I think you have to move Debo down. So we've we've settled on something there. All right, let's move on to Rashad Bateman. I love Rashad Bateman as well. Um, where are you at with Bateman? I think you're well above consensus on him as well. Yes, I have him ranked number 17. I've been in up with a lot of him. He's a clear number one receiver in Baltimore. I expect that passing offense to bounce back. But this is definitely, you know, you're, you're a, some bit of an unknown here. He has not done it. Let's see if he can hold up a full season. He's a bit dinged up right now. I know uh, Harbaugh is treating him like he's very important. And, uh, and he said, you know, just a minor injury here. We want to make sure he's right because um, he's expected to be a feature part of an offense that still could, you know, how, how ready is J.K. Dobbins or these running backs? But uh, love Bateman. So talk to me about the specific player. Can he take advantage of this opportunity with Hollywood Brown gone. Oh yeah. I mean I I think Bateman's the biggest winner of the offseason. I think he's the most obvious breakout candidate in fantasy this year. And it starts with because he's really good, man. I mean, he can beat press man coverage on the outside. He can beat zone coverage going over the middle. I, I don't think the Ravens have had a receiver like this in the Lamar Jackson era. He's that good for sure. Uh, Scott and I talked about him on the Ravens preview that we did earlier this week. Um, I love you. I love that you're so ahead of consensus on him. So you don't you don't have any volume because I, I don't have, I have zero concerns about Rashad Bateman, the player. So you have no volume concerns because obviously that's the biggest retort there. I mean, I'd like the team to throw 700 times, but I mean, Devin Duvernay and James Prochet are the number two and three receivers right now. So, no, I expect the target share to be extremely high for Bateman. Yeah. And there's that's the thing, right? Like there's enough room for Rashad Bateman. Unlike the Debo thing we just talked about, there's enough room for Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews, I think to be good bets at their ADP. Um, I think you can rank. Are you, I think, are you the only one that has Mark Andrews as tight end one this year among us rankers, right? Which is so funny. Cause originally I was like, no way is he going to repeat with, he did a lot of his damage with Huntley last year. That was a fluke, but man, with Hollywood Brown leaving, and uh, you just look into it more. Andrews was so good with yards per out run his whole career. He had 17 touchdowns the previous two years and was never targeted 100 times. I mean, now, yeah. so, yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm, I, Mark Andrews was targeted 15 times, 15 end zone targets last year. Travis Kelsey, four. And Travis Kelsey, what, 33 now? Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm sticking with it. I like, I think Andrews and Bateman in an offense that's really going to bounce back with Lamar Jackson passing this year. I like both those. I like those guys. Yeah, for sure. Uh, right now, in my projections, I've got them at a 51% share of Baltimore's passing targets. Um, 143 for Andrews and 125 for Bateman. In in my projections, again, that lands Andrews at tight end two and Bateman at, at, at wide receiver 29. I don't expect them to go back to full boomer ball. Like I expect them to somewhat meet in the middle of what they did last year. Which, by the way, in the first nine games of the season, Lamar Jackson was on pace for 583 attempts. 
Um, and that was before the defense had fully, fully, fully fallen apart. Again, they're not going to run the most plays in the NFL. They're not going to, you know, be 22nd in the NFL in pass attempts. But even if they're, even if Jackson throws like 500 to 530 times, which is sort of where I've got him, there's more, again, more than enough volume. You really only need Bateman to get 120 plus to to meet his ADP, and he has the upside as an individual player to uh, to be better than that too. I'm glad to hear you're on board with him too, because I've been ending up with a lot of him. It's very aggressive. Yeah, I have him as my wide receiver 17. Oh God, yeah. I see again, man. I I'm a huge Rashad Bateman guy, but like I'm in line. Well, I'm ahead of consensus, so you know, sort of with uh, Rashad Bateman. I'm kind of right in line. I want to push him up, man. So there's, a, I'm like sitting here. Imagine with my drafting Keenan Allen over Rashad Bateman. I mean, imagine. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, come on. That's too cowardly. Come on. I know. Listen. I mean, I get it. I get it. Right. The the volume projects so much better, but there are guys <laughs> like there are guys like. Um, yeah, I mean, I got to bump Amari Cooper down again. I, I bumped him up when I thought Watson was going to miss six games. So I got to tank him. Would you rather? I mean, what? A, these are the guys I have above Bateman right now. Judy, Darnell Mooney, Amon Ross, St. Brown. Like, what am I doing? What am I? I, I mean, I got to have Bateman ahead of these guys. You got to have. I mean, Cooper, come on. I buried him in the low yeah, 30s. Cooper you know, he's never received a higher than a 22% target share in his career. I did not realize that. Now he's outdoors with Jacoby Brissett. I don't that, that he's good. barely top 40 for me, Amari Cooper. Yeah, he's he's also just an overrated player, but that's another yeah, discussion. That's Juju, <laughs> you last point before we move on to the Saints. We didn't I didn't have this on the outline. You you're you're pretty low on Juju. Andy and I just had a bull case on Juju in the last uh podcast. So give me a little bit why, like because I've actually bumped him. I, I had him in that tier that we just talked about with Cooper and the second year guys that I love, like Bateman and and Moore and Gabe Davis and St. Brown and Darnell Mooney, that that tier that we just talked about. I actually had Juju there, and then I bumped him a tier up. I've, I've still got him a wide receiver 24, but I put him in the same tier as like A-Rob, Cortland Sutton, Brandon Cooks, etc. Um, am I am I getting a little too ahead of my skis on Juju? And you just took him right after I took Waddle I did, in yes. our in our in our draft together. But I have no problem with Juju. I have him ranked 31st as ECR's 33, so I'm actually slightly above. It's just Sky. Where there's this. I'm just waiting to see how that group shakes out with so many bodies there with sky Moore. if juju really overtakes the the slot and that's his job i mean i could easily see 100 plus catches obviously so I, no i don't have a strong opinion there i'm just kind of waiting to see what happens with all the bodies there but i could see it okay yeah can't c- couldn't foster a big disagreement there but yeah no, no. I, I like uh i do really like uh juju this year and i think i'll continue to draft him aggressively okay saints preview Isaiah here. Pacheco. can we just talk Isaiah Pacheco oh, yeah, sure. real quick yeah. i mean i'm Dude, sometimes hype, you got to just read some. I'm I'm buying this hype. I think he could easily separate himself and be the best Chiefs running back immediately. I mean, you look at the, the speed and the Andy Reid quotes. This is not uh, the the Darwin, what was the other guy? Darwin Thompson? What was that? Was that the guy? This is not. It was not Darwin part, Thompson. By the, who, by the way, I, I, fell for, that. I fell for I fell for, uh, for Darwin Thompson. Okay. So I'm a little. This is not that. Draft Pacheco into your drafts. Uh, Ronald Jones, my guy, may not even make the team. Oh, yeah, I, I wanted to be in on um on Ronald Jones, but then this Pacheco hype popped up and I was like, let me let me, let me get let me get Ronald Jones out of here. A couple things on Isaiah Pacheco. I, I really appreciated um Kevin Clark tweeting out uh, and reporting. I'm not usually a, this team loves their own player guy, but my God, like they love Isaiah Pacheco there in Kansas City. I also appreciated Ian Harditz from Pro Football Focus. Did you see the the graphic he he edited with Pacheco? Where yeah, yeah, yeah. The, where he's the, got, everything was yeah, yeah. LeBron the, James the, athleticism, yeah, yeah. It was like the the spoof of um 
when they said that about freaking David Montgomery in college, it was uh, Isaiah Pacheco running back Frankenstein, feet of Barry Sanders, vision of Walter Payton, strength. <laughs> strength of prime <laughs> jesus athleticism of lebron james but that's pretty much like yeah. how the how the training camp yeah. season has been going for pacheco man They're, they seem yeah. very steamed on the guy who yeah. i will again point people to jj Zachary's late round draft guide to check that out because he was he was big on him uh and, yeah. and that was right oh nice him. yeah i didn't yeah remember when cream hunt kind of came out of semi nowhere of the chiefs lead back immediately even after fumbling a rookie year uh, week one but yeah man i'm Maybe it's a little bit overhyped, but um, I'm personally falling for it. I, I'm, I'm in. I'm, I'm, I'm drafting anywhere I can. Yeah, I put him in my top 50 backs just to be like, hey, nice. take the again, take the upside swing at that point yep. in the in the draft. Um, I'm sure yep. he'll be a fun guy to track in this draft. Which, like I said, we should talk more in depth about next week when it hopefully it's over. It's a god, this it's a slow ass slow draft. This draft, so uh, we'll <laughs> see if it ends next week. Let's do our Saints preview here, Dalton. Um, I know you said you don't have a ton to say about the Saints, but this is a really interesting fantasy team to me just because rarely do you see a team lose their Hall of Fame quarterback. Breeze was dust at the end of his you know career. We know that, but they lose their Hall of Fame quarterback. Then they lose their Hall of Fame head coach all in the span of, you know, two years here. A lot of change for the Saints, even though they sort of just doubled down on their old identity. Dennis Allen, the head coach there now, they bring back Pete Carmichael, who's been the OC basically forever, but only called plays the one year Sean Payton was uh, suspended. So it seems like same old Saints, and they do the same thing where they trade up for trade up ton of draft picks for Chris Olave and they, you know, move cap room around. It's kind of the same old saints, but the, the offense looks really different. So do you have anyone here as, as someone you really want to call out as a great potential draft pick this year? Just that Kamara has been moving up my ranks uh, when it looks like he's not going to be uh, suspended. Uh, I moved him all the way up to my RB eight. Um, there's just so few backs that are that are utilized uh, as he is. And uh, Jameis Winston, his target rate was was not nearly as bad uh, with, with Taysom Hill. So I think the targets will go back up. I mean, there's you know, no one else there in that running back room. Yes, their offensive line has taken a step back. So uh, quietly, I've been willing to take Alvin Kamara early second round in full PPR leagues uh with the news of him probably playing this full season and um just waiting for the for news of the receivers uh with michael thomas's health i love alave uh there's there's landry there um but um yeah like i said i don't have any, too many strong takes with this team uh james winston i just took over matt ryan in our super flex league we were in together and i played chicken with quarterbacks i didn't love that and i looked into it more i'm like ah winston has more upside at this stage of their career two seasons ago he threw 33 touchdowns didn't even play that well in real life but at fantasy um indoors with these interesting receivers and maybe uh their defense should play well too though so an interesting team with an entire new coaching staff and just uh basically a, a lot of a lot of unknowns but my main takeaway is i've, I've been bumping up camara yeah, I think there's a chance this offense slings it around a lot more and is more aggressive from a passing standpoint. Like they had Jameis Winston totally, you know, neutered last year to start to start last year. They were starting to kind of let him uncork it, but then he got hurt against Tampa Bay. Also worth noting, he, it's a minor injury, but he did have a foot injury and missed some practices uh, during training camp. So that is something to keep an eye on, although probably not a big deal. I think there's a chance Winston's a, a pretty good fantasy value from a quarterback standpoint. I mean, we don't need to see Andy Dalton, you know, making starts this year. Give me a break. Camara's targets are interesting. Scott had a good point on that on last podcast. Cause he's got Camara pretty like ranked pretty low in his running back shuffle. 
and I thought that was interesting because I've I'm with you that I've been pushing Kamara back up, but he did bring up a good point about the pass catching. Like they've even said he's not going to catch 80 passes again. And when you look at his game log with Winston, three catches, four catches, three catches, zero catches, five catches, ten. There was that crazy game against the Seahawks because the Seahawks' dumb defense just wasn't covering any running backs. And Sean Payton, which again, they don't have Sean Payton to do that type of stuff this year, laser focused on that and hammered Kamara in the passing game. It was a primetime game as well, so everybody saw it. And then, of course, he gets hurt, uh, does Winston next week after that. Three catches against the Bucks. Uh, for Alvin Kamara. So entirely possible that was an outlier just to jump in. I just want to say this. Kamara yeah. with Winston last year, 21.1% target share, 10.3% everyone else. Uh his target, that's exactly his same target share for his uh for his matches a career high in 2020, 21.1. So Winston was a career high target share last year. But, but that one game may have skewed it all. And I would argue too that remember their receiver depth chart last year i mean we were yeah, people fair. were literally literally drafting marquez callaway in like round nine of fantasy that was a thing that happened last year because of this depth chart now he's like not even going to make a blip on this team because they have a really good three receiver set if michael thomas is healthy which reports are pretty good so far we're, we're checking boxes there chris olave who is my favorite rookie receiver this year. Really like Chris Olave. I've got him ranked ahead of consensus. And Jarvis Landry, um, who's like fine. He's a fine third slot receiver there that I don't think is going to command a ton of targets. But the receiver depth chart on this team is very, very different than it was last year, especially to start. Great point. And then I'll counter and say, who's the number two running back is a 32-year-old Mark Ingram that like yeah. no one, you can't even dare anyone to draft him in fantasy. I mean, that's no one's, no one's behind the depth chart of Kamara compared to these other backs getting drafted behind him. So could see a lot a lot of touches he could handle but um totally. those those are fair points and he's more on the downside of his running back career I ever you know it's it's crazy i'm drafting someone after 25 years old but um but he uh surprising. you know so few backs get the goal line and the and, and the target so um that's that's kind of my thoughts with 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 Kamara. yeah i've still got him in my third tier of backs alvin Kamara, and i've got him running back 12 but i'm gonna bump i again i need to update the browns thoughts again in my rankings because i gotta i gotta sink nick chubb too who i'd pushed up uh, in, in the thought that watson was only gonna miss six games yeah dalton's making a gross face about that and i totally agree um, Kamara's one season removed from 21 touchdowns in 15 games yeah, yeah. i think again i think there's a chance this offense can be really fun this year just because winston can be a fun passer and this receiver set is good so let's end it on yeah. on that note michael thomas where are you drafting Michael Thomas at all? He certainly does not fit your age thresholds. Um, but where's like the point, the pivot point where it, it's time to start considering Michael Thomas? Man, I'm just looking now. So I have him ranked 32, his ECR is 31, and that's about where I want. I want to be right just on market with him because I don't have a strong I could see him if he's healthy again. I mean, this guy was, you know, just an absolute target dominant hog, and he could be back to a top 15 fantasy wide receiver. I think I was listening to Andy Barron's on the Chris Harris pod. He has him like his top 12 fantasy receiver, and I get it. But Olave and even Landry's a target hog, and this um, ankle injuries lasted two years, so he could also see downside with Thomas. Maybe he's just never the same player. And Drew Brees was that special connection, and now he's battling a young rookie, and and I could see the downside as well. So I have no spicy take with Michael Thomas. I'm just right there in market. I have one of him so far, but I you know I'm doing a lot of drafts. What about yourself? Yeah, I'm I'm wide receiver 32 as well, so we're kind of on the same page there, rankings wise, and the range of outcomes is really high. I don't think he has, you know, the tw like the 2019 season, that's not happening again. I think there's a chance similar to like Deontay Johnson, how people think he can only run like little cutesy short routes. 
I think people think that Michael Thomas can only run slant routes because Drew Brees could only throw slant routes in like the latter portion of his career. So I could see, I actually am very excited. I was excited going into last year and you know, that went off the rails really quickly. I was excited to see Michael Thomas with Jameis Winston, who couldn't be more different than Drew Brees, but I don't see him ever still having that sort of target share and that sort of reception based floor. But yeah, if like your sixth, seventh round pick, there's a, pretty good ceiling there for Michael Thomas that you could draft him at wide receiver 32 and I can easily see him finishing top 20 at the very least. So he has the chance to outkick his ADP, but at the same time, because he's just like, I think Nick Underhill from, um, uh, from, from new Orleans football has said, he's just a different type of dude, uh, is Michael Thomas. And you know, he's obviously had all these ankle issues of crazy long rehab. He could, be a total nothing too so range of outcomes is wide um i've he's got a different dude at quarterback throwing him the ball it looks perfect yeah yeah there's an interesting character there as well but yeah to me the guy to draft in this receiver court is chris olave who i think has a pro ready game and i have ranked ahead of consensus do you have any strong takes on olave uh, from a fantasy standpoint no college guys i i trust love him so i'm definitely expecting uh him to be good right away but um yeah really curious to see how the targets shake out here in new orleans all right, it wouldn't be a fantasy podcast if we didn't at least say the name Taysom Hill. What what do we do? What's the deal with Taysom Hill this year? What what, what yeah. is the deal? I so there actually are rumblings that he may play a little quarterback. We thought with Peyton gone, it would no. I know some people are taking him at the end of best ball with the tight end eligibility and all that. <laughs> but um, no, I can't. I hope stay healthy, Winston. They even have Andy Dalton there at, at backup. So no, I can't. I can't foresee too much quarterback action uh, from 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 Taysom Hill. Yeah, that's the thing about these wide receivers as good as they have no tight end like uh, competition because like Taysom right. Hill might be the top tight end target getter on this team because they do want to they do apparently want him to play more tight end this year. And he's actually been in the tight end meeting room for the first time in his career. So we'll see. Listen, we're not going to get Taysom Hill out of our lives. That's basically the long and short of it. And it's not Chris Herndon season. You're saying is that what you're saying? No, it's oh. never it has never been Chris Herndon season. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately all right dalton i think that's going to do it for us tell the people what you've got uh what you're working on right now oh i have another uh one uh coming out of uh with wide receivers i like less so i've got some debo hate there and some running backs i like more just came out some more saquon barkley love how i have him as a top five fantasy back this year so check that out on the on the old yahoo site yeah, check that out, and we might have Dalton uh, go through that running back article with me because I'm I'm running back's a strange position this year, and I'm I'm interested to get his thoughts on this. So we might talk about that next week, and again, if this draft is ever over, maybe we'll talk about that as well. But this podcast is over, so make sure you go follow Dalton on Twitter at Dalton Del Don. Follow me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB, and of course, while you're there, for God's sakes, make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy tomorrow. Andy Barons rides in on his white horse and makes his triumphant return to try to help us figure out the Washington Commanders. Oh, baby, how exciting. Until then, we're out.